Welcome to HOWC Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Proverbs 31. We're going to go through the chapter. Starting in verse 1, it says, The words of King Lamuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. First of all, this King Lamuel, that's not a name, that's a title. It means belonging to God. Um, it's most commonly con- believed and, and agreed that this is actually to King Solomon from his mother. It was a title normally used. It was like a nickname for King Solomon because he was the king that belongs to God. God chose him. Um, but I think that the wording is significant because it was a prophecy to him from his mother on how to be a godly king. Um, but I think it's important because she didn't title it to him. It's titled Lamuel belonging to God to the king that belongs to God. So it applies not only to Solomon, but to every <coughs> king that belongs to God. And the New Testament tells us that we are all kings and priests. In Revelations 1.5, it says, And Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God, Unto him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So anyone who is saved and born again or kings and queens in the kingdom, they are the kings that belong to God. They're kings of God's kingdom. And that's what this title means. This is a prophecy to anyone who is a king that belongs to God's kingdom. So it was for Solomon. It was a warning, but it's also to us as well. What my son... And what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. So she's warning him to be careful of the thing that destroys kings. He was a king. But again, this is applying to all of us because we're all kings and priests also. So these are the things that will destroy you. Alcohol and women. Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's what it was. And here we go. It is not for kings, O Lamuel, or the one that kings that belongs to God. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. So if you are a Christian, alcohol will destroy you. It is not for you. It literally says, if you are a king that belongs to God's kingdom, which if you're saved you are, then it is not for you to drink alcohol or strong drink. There is prohibition amongst Christians. Not amongst the unsaved. They don't know better. It's all they have. It's all they know. But amongst those that are kings in God's kingdom, it, it, it literally says it is not for you, and this is something that will destroy you. I did look it up to make sure, because sometimes when it says wine, it's not referring to alcoholic yeah, drinks. Yeah, but this one is referring to any fermented drink. So anything from wine to whiskey, all of it. Yeah. It says the yeah, implication of intoxication. Right. Strong drink. And I think that wine nor for princes to drink strong drink, I think it's it's talking about all of it, from the lightest wine to the strongest, yeah. you know, whiskey. Uh, yeah. That's it. 
And what's kind of crazy is uh, people, like in the Bible, they see that uh, that uh, that men juice was drink wine, so they think like it's okay to. Jesus didn't drink, drink wine, wine, though. It's a right. bad choice of words and translation. Right, it is a bad choice. <laughs> it's a bad choice. Because here's the thing. Right, it is. It, it and for Jesus, Jesus was a rabbi. It was forbidden for rabbis to drink because kings and priests couldn't drink. So even though it is depicted in the movies and people do say it because they don't know any better, Jesus would never have drinking alcohol. He would have drank grape juice. It comes down to a poor translation to English. There was alcoholic use in the culture, but Jesus himself would not have partaken in the drinking because he was a rabbi. So it says, not for the kings or for your princes. So that means that the alcohol is not for you or your children. Because what you partake of, your children will indulge in. And I think that's significant that she warns that for the kings not to drink wine, nor his prince, the prince, nor his children a strong drink, even giving the implication that even if you just have a little wine, it's going to turn into a whiskey for your kids. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgments of any of the afflicted. So for a physical king, then she said, it's not for you to drink alcohol because you have to give God's judgments to the people. You have to judge rightly. You have to treat people rightly. You have to rightly represent the kingdom. For us as kings and priests in God's kingdom, we have the same responsibility. And if you are drinking, you are not in control of your spirit. You will misrepresent the kingdom. You will judge poorly. You will make wrong decisions. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of a heavy heart. At the time, they used alcohol as a medication um, in the same way that we would use morphine for somebody who's dying and suffering a whole lot. They would let them drink to to ease the suffering while they were passing. Um, It was applicable at the time, and I think it was fine. Now we have much better things, and it's not really necessary. Let them drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Now, before we go any further, I have to cover this because this was one of those things that was given in the Old Testament and then changed in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it said it was okay to give them the alcohol to ease their suffering while they were dying, to ease um, the brokenhearted. That would be like, for example, somebody who had just maybe lost a child and was grieving so bad that they're risking having a heart attack or, or, you know, lost an old lady loses her husband and, and, you know, is about to have a stroke. And, and, you know, nowadays you give them a sedative until they can handle it a little bit or whatever. They were using alcohol. Basically what it was saying here was to give the drink, the alcohol to those who have no hope. So that's not surprising. We mentioned that unsaved people will drink. It's all they have and it's all they know. They have no hope. But it is not for kings and priests of God's kingdom. Because why? We have hope. So how then should kings that belong to God handle their sorrows? The New Testament actually tells us very specifically, and it it addresses this same issue or, or justification given in the Old Testament, letting us know that it is no longer applicable in the New Testament. In Ephesians verse uh, chapter 5, verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise men, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. In other words, you've got to be wise now. These, these days are serious. Wherefore, 
Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. All right, don't just go with your, your emotions here. You need to really search out what God's will is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit instead, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. So in the Old Testament, it said that for those who were basically had no hope, you could give them a drink. In the New Testament, it says that doesn't apply to kings and priests, and now you're all kings and priests, so that doesn't apply to you you now have the Holy Spirit. There's no excuse. Don't rely on that other spirit anymore. Instead, it says, because if you fall into excess, you're in going in, you're in sin. And it says, no drunkard shall have any part in the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven if you're in excess, if you're drinking. And, and of course, to understand what excess is, it's using anything beyond its intended purpose. So if God said it was okay to use it as a painkiller for someone who's about to die then they won't go to hell for that. But if a person takes it beyond that purpose, then it's excess and it becomes sin. So he says, stay away from it so that you're not tempted to fall into excess because you don't even need it anymore. But instead, call upon the Holy Spirit. It says worship. It says sing songs. It says, like David, encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, go to the Holy Spirit. Be in that presence to help to bring you back into that place of understanding, and that's where your hope is. So the alcohol isn't for the kings and the priests of the New Testament because they have a hope. It was for the hopeless. And so it's actually not even what we would say, you know, a sinner will sin. That's what they do. But I, God's not even judging the sinner that's drinking. He's judging the Christian that drinks because he said it's not for kings and priests. We have the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Comforter will bring a peace that surpasses all understanding. So it's, it's so much better than what you could have ever hoped to get because with the alcohol, I mean, as soon as it wears off, it's there and it's usually worse. And then there's usually compounded issues from things that came while you were drinking. Verse 8. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. So this is required of godly men. With this first section, we're dealing with godly men. We're going to deal with godly women in a moment, but this is, this is what God expects of godly men. Don't chase women, don't drink, and stand up for the ones that are weaker. To Be a protector, be a defender, be willing to speak. Right. That, that nowadays toxic masculinity. Though. Right. Be a toxic masculine. We need, we need some what they call toxic. As he said, woo! <laughs> Amen. So speak, share the gospel, defend others rather than gossip about them, encourage, teach, and correct with mercy and compassion. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. 
right? We don't need alcohol. We don't need all these other things. We don't need lust and chasing women and all that stuff. We, God is our helper. We will communicate and, and do the right thing. Skipping down to verse 16 says, but to do good and to communicate, in other words, be willing to speak, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Sometimes it's a sacrifice not only to do the right thing, but to say the right thing and be willing. This is all part of what God is saying it takes to be a good godly man, a king in his kingdom, is to be willing to speak and to say the right thing and also to do the right thing. Verse 10, now she goes into the women. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. It is important to seek and to wait for a godly spouse. It may not be easy to find, but it is worth the search. Pray for God to pick your spouse. He knows what's really in the heart, and we don't. So this is important for all the young people to pay attention. It says a godly man is not going to be one who's lustful and running after the women, not going to be drinking and or doing drugs or cutting up or any kind of substance. He's going to be somebody who's going to defend the weak and not be a bully to them. So when you pray and seek for a godly spouse, a godly husband, that's what you need to be looking for, those characteristics. But for the men, it's important to seek and pray for a godly woman as well. Her value is for above rubies. Verse 11, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. I find it interesting that this actually supplies, uh, implies that a man who is secure in his relationship with his wife doesn't feel the need to seek a sense of security in things. Really? Spoil is treasure. Spoil is gain in oh, any form gain. or fashion. Yeah. So it, 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 there's an implication there that if there's no that if there's no security in the relationship, he, he kind of seeks security in things. He's going to keep looking for things. Um, and you'll find that it, it seems like some of the best people with the best relationships are probably some of the poorest <laughs> couples, <laughs> but there's a security there. <laughs> Verse 12, these are that we're getting now into the attributes of a godly woman. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She is selfless and attentive to her husband, her children, her help, her friends, extended family, employees. It says that she will do him good all of the days of her life. I think mom is a good example of that. She's been... <laughs> They've been together all her life and she's been very good to him. She's been a little bit stressful at times, but he's got to appreciate it now because she's taking care of him all the days of his life. And, and it is statistic that usually the women will outlive the men. Um, men have, you know, yeah, a lot. Men's death rate is much higher than, than a woman's. Right. They're, I mean, yeah, have you seen them? They do crazy stuff. They do crazy, yeah. Exactly. We do dangerous jobs. Yeah. Especially and we do a lot of, yeah, like say crazy stuff. Men work very hard usually, and, and yeah. it's a lot taxing on the body. Yeah, and um, dangerous jobs. So it, it typically women do outlive men, and so I th there's that implication there. Make sure you have someone who's going to be willing to take care of you through your latter end. And a good woman will do that. We'll change your, our baby diapers and our husband's baby diapers. 
<laughs> and hope that our kids will change ours. <laughs> Verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. So she's a hard worker. She's not lazy, entitled, or selfish. 14, we're going through this because I think it's important, um, you know, in, in the culture and the climate that we're in, they're trying to redefine the roles of men and women and husbands and wives. And so it's important, I think, to remind ourselves and to remind the kids what a godly man is and what a godly woman is and how to um, aspire to those roles because that's what's best for the children. It's selfless. It may not always be what we want to do, but it is the right thing to do. And the reason that we're in the state that we're in in the nation is because that the, this truth has been abandoned and we have strayed away from it. So 14, she is like the merchant's ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her handmaidens. So she takes the time and effort to cook healthy meals for her family and for others and even to bring it to those in need. I saw a Christian critic warning about the new Barbie movie saying, you know, they're not allowed to give their full review until two days before it releases. So he couldn't give too much detail. But he was like saying, you know, we, we did see it. And he was, please don't take your daughters to go see this movie. He said, it's worse than you can possibly imagine. He said, it starts out with little girls bashing their baby dolls' heads and saying, we don't have to be mothers anymore. Like they're, like they're killing their babies, saying we don't have to be mothers anymore. They're doing it with, with babies to imply abortion. We don't have to be mothers anymore. And so then through the movie, he said, basically, Ken is the bad guy. The men are the problem of everything in the world. They've been banned from, from Barbie land, except for the transgendered Barbies. They're okay. They can stay. Wow. So it's, com- it's complete propaganda. So, so my point is, is that there, there is a hard push. So these things need to be taught. The kids need to be reminded. And you need to be demonstrations and examples of it to the best of our ability. It's almost like we're going to have to swing far to the other side. Yep. You know, you're going to almost have to be that 1950s mom yeah. and, and, you know, yeah. just and dad just to kind of help to counterbalance well, and I'm show the kids a difference. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. So she makes wise business decisions. She works to help where she can. In this case, she gardened and grew food, planted vineyards. I'm sure she was able to sell some of it as well. So there's a little bit of a business venture Probably there. Put it on HD as well. Yeah, she might have made an HD video with it. <laughs> that wasn't a shameless plug. <laughs> I'll take it. Verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. So she endeavors to be fit, strong, and healthy. She's doing the work. Verse 18, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. So she's crafty. She's a homemaker. She prepares a safe and functional place for her family. Verse 19, she layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. You can look up what that is. I'm probably did something to do with the sewing. Uh, the distaff might be the part of that, the yarn thing that they pull. It's, uh, 
The whirl of a spindle, a stick, yeah, it has to do with spin, spinning. Stuff. It's turning yarn into, uh, wool into yarn. Okay, so she's not lazy or self-centered or distracted or wasteful with her time and energy. She is living for her family. She layeth her hands to the spindle. Okay, verse 20. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is charitable and soft-hearted, helping those in need and teaching her children to have compassion on the weak and the meek and the least of these. 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She plans ahead and makes sure that the needs of her children and husband are met. You see, it is in a woman's DNA to worry and to think ahead. This is why we live longer than men. This is why whenever you drive too close, in a woman's mind, it goes all the way from we're going through this vehicle, through the thing, we done killed five kids and run into the person in front of us and the husband's not even thinking and you're like, you're too close. And he's like, what's wrong with you? We're going to kill everybody! You know. Hey, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. The example is but it could. <laughs> it's it's a good it's a Proverbs thirty one woman mentality to look at think ahead. The, the, the former example is non relatable. <laughs> she just made that up. <laughs> Verse twenty two, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Uh, she tries to look nice while being modest. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She is an honor to her husband, helping and upholding him and makes him look good to all those that see him. He can be who he was meant to be because she is being who she was meant to be. Verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles uh, unto the merchants. So this woman even had a little kind of side business making and selling things. Yep. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. Her adornment was her strength and her honor, not scandalous clothes. The things that drew attention to her was her character and her achievements, not her looks, loudness, or drama. This is so important because today, I guess it's just the TV, but I don't understand this TikTok. Like, the, the, the girls are really just being, the girls are being taught that loudness and drama and, and is, is what's going to get you attention. And is, it's not, no man likes that and no woman likes that and God doesn't like that. Don't nobody like that. So don't believe the lies of the devil telling you that it's going to make people like you because it's not. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and her tongue, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So she gives wise counsel and speaks with kindness. She isn't crude, rude, or gossipy. A godly woman is not crude, rude, or gossipy. Crude is, is being brash and loud and mean. and, and Pretty much think of rude people. That's, that's yeah. what crude is. Crude people are rude. It's rude with a C. Yep. Yeah. 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 And if you take the E off, they're also crude. Yeah. They're also crude. It's it's rude with a brashness. 
Because you can be rude subtly. Yeah, that's called. Uh, but crude. Aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah. Crude is, is brash rudeness. Yeah, because you don't care. Yeah. Verse 27. She looketh well on the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So she serves rather than expecting to be served. She doesn't just live off her husband. She tends to the needs of her family. She is part of the unit. Verse 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. So her children will one day see all her selflessness and will commend and bless her with their words and with their actions. Her husband also will speak well of her for all of her sacrifices to help them as a family. He will appreciate having a good wife when he has come to a place of maturity, knowing that a good wife is hard to find. He will praise her publicly. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excelleth them all. So giving all of this criteria, you're saying that, you know, many girl, many women have done virtuously and done good, but if you can attain to all of this criteria, then it's going to be really excellent. This is like the best you can do. So aspire. You may not, you know, land it all, but aspire. Verse 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. So above all, she seeks, believes, and obeys God. Verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. Living like this will bear fruit and bear witness that she is a godly woman. So in summary... To be a godly man, don't drink, don't chase women, and defend the innocent. To be a godly woman, do everything else. <laughs> I noticed, I was like, man, I shout amen. Oh yeah, I, like, I noticed Now to be to yeah, be yeah. seriously, this was the advice of a mom to her son. So she's telling him what not to do, but she also wants to help him to recognize the, the, the character of a virtuous woman and what he needs to look for. So really the message was to men, to a man. So it's from that perspective, though the women can glean from it too because it's still giving you the criteria. Um, but that's the reason it's kind of honed in on so much. But I think she wanted her son to look for a godly woman knowing that who you yoke up with is important. You will share your life and calling with this person. A good woman will empower a great man. A great man will honor a good woman. And they will produce happy, healthy, stable, compassionate, well-rounded children. And as a family, they will be set up to most effectively do the work of God's kingdom. A good, good word yeah. for the ladies. Is, but to be fair, in, in the other side, if you take 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, and we'll pause and pull out and talk about this, I do Women crave love, men crave respect. Right. Now, of course, men crave love too, but a core value to feel secure in your masculinity as a husband is to be honored. Wife to respect you. Yeah. That's bottom line. And then, alternatively, back to the point of the wife, craves more than anything for her husband to love her, genuinely, emotionally connect with her. That's love. 
Take First Corinthians. Men, we look at uh, Proverbs 31 for our women. Women, look at First Corinthians 13 for your man. Love is patient. Love is kind. Take that chapter. Love take is gentle. Love, love is, and yeah. change it to the name of the person who might be the prospect you're praying about. All right. So and so is patient. So and so is kind. So and so does not boast. Yeah. So and so, see, and you do that. That puts a lot of onus on the man to fulfill that obligation to love the wife, yes, as would so different in the same <laughs> way that a Proverbs thirty-one woman would fulfill her role to respect her husband. Right. Very good. Yes, it says that um, for the 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 wife to submit to the husband and for the husband to love the wife, and in that is encompassed the reality that women seek love and men seek respect. Correct. And if the husband loves his wife, it will drive her to respect. And if the the wife respects the husband, it will drive him to love. And and if you break that, then it kind of spirals out of control in the other direction. If if a woman intends on disrespecting the husband, then he's going to show less and less love. And then it kind of just they they move farther and further apart. Or the other way around. If a husband is Right. If a husband acts unloving towards his wife, then she's going to act disrespectful back and then it's going to spiral out of control. So once that starts, there has to be somebody with enough discernment and, and humility enough to break the cycle and start moving it back in the other direction. Also, right. too, the way you treat your spouse will be the way your children's your children treat their spouses. Their spouse. Not only that, but their parents. They'll treat you that way. So if you're disrespectful to your husband yeah. or you're, you're disrespectful to your wife, that's a good point. Well, that's copy and paste that. Yeah. 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 And, and they will expect and accept that in the people that they look for also. They will mimic it. So they will end up with bad relationships as well. Well, the Lord had given me this um, a few days ago and, and seeking for you know the manna and stuff. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you because I think it plays into one of the reasons that I'm doing uh, you know Proverbs 31. I had mentioned it, you know, um, Allison has the, the girls with her right now, her nieces, and, you know, she doesn't have any kids, so she has the nieces. And uh, I was talking to her yesterday because uh, Nevaeh had some questions since, since her little baptism. She's been in the Bible. She's been reading. She was all excited. And so she had called me with some questions and stuff, and, and she was uh, Allison was all tickled. And she was like, she says, oh, I'm, I'm just having the time of my life. She says, I'm just like little Susie Homemaker over here. I didn't even know I needed this. I feel so fulfilled. It's so I'm having so much fun, you know, with it. And, and you know, it's like, there has to be an effort. And I think God is wanting that more and more to the best of our ability um, to try to walk in those roles, to demonstrate it to this generation who is being bombarded with the opposite message. Yeah. Well, they're, they're trying to take roles away. They're, yeah. they're mixing it all up. So they need to have an example of what those actual roles are. Right. And, and they need to experience it to the best that we can help because there are kids that don't have that opportunity to experience right. it. They, they would gain more from the experience <clears throat> than you telling them about it. Right. So, all right, I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll be closing. First, we had a generation of girls being taught, I don't need a man. Next, we had a generation of children being abused and trafficked. Believe me, behind every effort to devalue the need for a godly man is an evil man looking for easy victims. Today, I read a story of three sisters who were nearly kidnapped by a trafficker, but their father fought him off and saved them. God designed the family to be a selfless, godly male father and attentive female mother, producing healthy, compassionate, happy children. 
The father protects and provides, the mother nurtures and teaches. This gives the children the best environment to flourish, and all of it is selfless, which is what agape love really is. Where there is no father, the children suffer. Where there is no mother, the children suffer. Statistically, they become easier targets for predators. Emotionally, they become wounded, unstable, and easily manipulated. As a minister, I spend most of my time trying to undo the damage done to children, many of them now grown, during these early years. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He seeks the weakest and the meekest, and where there is no protector, he ravages. It may offend some to hear me say it, but the reality is this, that many of the selfish, prideful, and extreme concepts pushed through women's liberation have led to their children's enslavement. So again, those who seek to destroy the nuclear family, those who seek to propagate these perverted ideologies, those who seek to remove godly fathers and mothers from the lives of children are the ones who are grooming them to become victims. The end result is horrific, but it's time to look at the steps that led us to this, a time in history when there are more children in slavery than any other time, because it was preceded by a selfish, biblically contrary ideology that took the protectors out of their lives. I know that not everyone is in a position at present to provide this ideal structure for their children. Yet we all can help to correct the problem by teaching them the need to seek and wait for godly spouses, to not act selfishly and produce children out of wedlock to be strong, selfless men and attentive mothers to their children, to counter the lying messages that have been bombarding them all of their lives about how they don't need a husband or a wife. If you do have this for you and your children, then remember to share it and be a demonstration to those who don't even know that they need it. Take a kid with you on family outings that doesn't have this example and experience in their life. Show them what it is supposed to be like. When they grow up, the experience will outweigh the lies of Satan that tries to tell them that there is a better way than what God intended, and it will bless them and help to protect their children. And then I close it with James chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, Pure religion that is undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the, th- the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, untainted or unchanged by the world. So I think that a lot of what we see now in this nation and as bad as it is really stems from a tactic of the enemy to remove uh, the parents and the protectors and the proper structure and the roles that God had intended to protect the children. That's why they're so vulnerable right now. And I know not everybody is in a situation to have that ideal structure, but we can pray for it. We can seek for it. And if you do have it, you can always help to demonstrate it to kids that don't have it. You know, it take them, take somebody with you who doesn't have that role model at home. Because when they grow up, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that outing with that, you know, that safety and that family feeling and that mother and that father and that structure. And they're going to want that for their children. And they're not going to listen to the lies of the devil that's telling them, you don't need a man, you need to be this, you need to be that. It's easy to believe it when when you don't have the example and the demonstration to counter it. So if you can be that, be that, and help to counter the message 
that the culture is trying to push on the children. Thank you for joining us today. This program was brought to you by HOWC Media Ministries. For more messages like this or information about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.